This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible, and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. A man who called himself an avenging angel, 41-year-old Jason Vukovic is accused of violently assaulting men with a history of sexual offenses involving children. So the guy hit me in the head six times. I feared he was going to kill me. He says Vukovic broke into his home in the middle of the night and beat his head with a hammer. He said, I'm going to, I'm an avenging angel. I'm going to mete out justice for the people you hurt. All right, everybody, this was a very impromptu last minute episode, so I'm going to skip the formalities with Patreon, which I do have a lot of people to thank on the next episode. I'm also going to skip reviews at the end because this is one of those episodes that I feel has to stand alone, and there is a very specific reason for that, and it's because of the subject matter of this episode, and it is about the Alaskan Avenger who is Jason Vukovic. Some of you might not have heard of this guy, but I can guarantee you've probably seen posts on social media about him. And it is because Jason Vukovic, over five days in June of 2016, he entered the homes of three men, and he beat the absolute shit out of them. And why did he do that? Because they were all guilty of crimes against children. Now, I posted about this on my social media, um, uh, Twitter and, and Instagram, and the responses I got were pretty much all the same. You know, hats off to this guy. He deserves a damn medal not to be locked up. But you also have that quiet, you know, spectrum of people who are like, well, if we let this go, then what else is okay to let go? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to put into perspective his crimes, what happened, also his childhood. And at the end of this episode, very, very cool thing. His sister contacted me as soon as I posted the, uh, on Instagram. She is an absolute sweetheart. She is really pulling for him. She's put together, you know, a lot of information and resources to where you can write Jason, you know, and I will provide all that information. You can donate money to his legal fees or his commissary. I will also provide that information and a petition on change.org as well, which I will also provide that information in the episode notes. Okay. So once you go past the episode description, when you listen, scroll to the bottom, I will have links to all that stuff for you and I will also post all those on social media when I post the episode as well. And the coolest part about his sister contacting me was she sent me a, a video that she did because she had just talked to him. And I'm so glad I'm a procrastinator and did not get this episode out last night. If you're actually going to hear 
Jason talk about his circumstances and why he did what he did and all of that. So that is a very, very cool thing for you guys to hear. You're going to hear it in his own words explain himself. And it's a very important message that he has to say. Okay, so over five days in June 2016, Jason Vukovic entered the homes of three men, and he hit them, two of them with his fists and one with a hammer, and then he did burglarize them. So here's the deal. The prosecutor in this case, when, when Jason was actually arrested, which we'll get to, Jason had a lot of charges before, including like fraud, theft, possession of a controlled substance, assault. He had a very troubled childhood, okay? He was in and out of trouble quite a bit. And on June 24th, he had just gotten done serving 10 days for a probation violation. So at about 9.30 a.m. the next day on June 25th, a guy named Charles Albee answered a knock at his door and an unknown man walks in. Now, Albee was convicted in 2003 of second-degree abuse of a minor, and this is according to the sex offender registry. The intruder told Albee to sit on his bed and punched him and slapped him in the face multiple times. And he said he was there because Albee was a registered sex offender. Albee said the man had a notebook with a list of names. And the intruder did steal some items from Albee's home and then left. Albee goes on to describe him as a white man with shoulder-length dark hair who wore a black leather jacket and baseball cap. The intruder then leaves. So two days later, on June 27th at about 4 a.m., this is about a day and a half later, a guy named Andres Barbosa answered a knock at his door. Andres Barbosa was convicted in 2014 of possession of child pornography. And this is according to the sex offender registry. He says a white man in a dark jacket and baseball cap asked if his name was Barbosa. When he replied yes, the man threatened him with a hammer. The man entered his home with two women. The male made Barbosa sit in a chair and told him he was there because of Barbosa's crimes. The man called him a pedophile and punched him in the face several times and then threatened to bash in his head with a hammer, and stated he was there to collect what Barbosa owed. Now the charges against Vukovic say that he and one of the women stole several items from Barbosa's apartment, including his truck, while the other woman recorded it on her cell phone, after which they did leave. So on June 29, 2016, at 1 a.m., a guy named Wesley Demarest, woke up to his roommate alerting him that someone had just smashed their home's entryway window by the roommate's bedroom. Wesley Demarest, in 2006, was convicted of attempted sexual abuse of a minor. The girl was in kindergarten. Wesley Demarest served nine months in jail and three years in a sex offender treatment program. And then that would include being on the sex offender registry for an additional 15 years. And what happened was the man with shoulder-length hair and a black leather jacket stood behind the roommate with a hammer when he went to wake up Demarest, and then he told him to leave. Demarest said the intruder had broken into his home in the early morning hours, and he had used a hammer to smash the window. 
Now, Demarest said he slept through the noises of the breaking glass. He did not wake up to that, but that's when his roommate heard it and woke it up, and he walked him into the room. And here is what Demarest says happened. It's one o'clock in the morning. My roommate came pounding on my door and said, someone is trying to break in. And a guy was standing behind him and pushed him out of the way, and he was carrying a hammer. Demarest said the intruder asked if he was a registered sex offender and if he was Wesley Demarest. Demarest answered yes. He asked if I thought I paid for my crime. Demarest said, yeah. And then the intruder said, no, you didn't pay for it enough. I am the avenging angel of abused children. And then the intruder talked about a list he had in his car with the names of other registered sex offenders. The man told Demarest to get on his knees and lie on the bed. When Demarest did not comply, the man hit him in the head with a hammer and knocked him out. He stole several items, including a laptop computer, and left. Demarest woke up in a pool of blood. His roommate had called 911 and police responded at about 1.30 a.m. to a call of assault and a burglary. Now, According to Demarest, he says, I didn't feel I deserved it, but I guess I do. I guess my punishment isn't over yet. The all-in-all assault caused... He had one left eye swollen shut after it. He had numerous staples in his head, a broken right thumb, and multiple concussions, and a fractured skull. Because Vukovic beat the shit out of this dude with a hammer. Okay, so soon after this attack, the police found Vukovic nearby in his gray Honda Civic with another person. In his vehicle, he had some stolen items from the homes, a hammer, and a notebook with a list of nine names, including Albi, Barbosa, and Demarest. And there was also information that he had dug up about them from the state sex offender registry. So when he was arrested, Vukovic told police that he targeted his victims based on the listings on Alaska's sex offender registry. And this registry does include home addresses, employer addresses, and convictions. All in all, when he was arrested, he faced 18 charges, varying from assault, robbery, burglary, and theft. Now, in a two-page letter that uh, he had sent from jail, Vukovic himself says that he suffered physical and sexual abuse at the hands of his adoptive father. Vukovic ended up writing in the letter that he could not talk about the current charges he faced, but expressed shame and regret about some of his past behavior. He wrote about his father who adopted, beat, and molested him as a child. And he says, After this adoption took place, I was beaten with two-by-fours custom-made for the purpose of inflicting pain, or belts, etc., Also, I suffered through repeated molestation at his hands. Vukovic goes on to identify his adoptive father as Larry Lee Fulton, who in 1989 was found guilty of second-degree abuse of a minor, but received only a three-year suspended sentence from the uh, Superior Court judge at the time named Carl Johnstone. Judge Johnstone ordered Fulton to stay away from his victim, who was unnamed. Vukovic wrote that his adoptive father, Fulton, then returned immediately to the home and isolated him. And in the letter, Vukovic says, 
What I can say at this time is that after being physically and mentally abused by a predator, my life was changed forever. I literally gave my own existence no value or concern. I became a thief and a liar and went on to make many poor choices throughout my life. And in the closing of this letter, he writes that children should be able to play in the streets and parks and go to church without the threat of pedophiles lingering around them. My own heart may have been broken long ago, but with all my being, I support every child in pursuit of their dreams. So when we get to the point where he gets his sentencing, his brother, a guy named Joel Fulton, actually came up and spoke for him, and this is his older brother, and he said that, you know, despite counseling, he has not yet recovered from what both of them experienced as children. Even though Fulton did turn out a lot different, they both took very separate paths. Fulton even says, I'm never going to get better. Never. And his uh, his career is in California in cybersecurity. So the the prosecutor in this case, a guy named Patrick McKay, argued that there was no excuse for Vukovic to target and attack three strangers, one of which he beat so badly that he fractured his skull and knocked him unconscious. And the uh, prosecutor goes on to say, We're lucky we're not dealing with a murder charge. People do not get to take the law into their own hands just because they don't like a particular group of people or a particular person. So as part of the plea deal, Vukovic had previously agreed to plead guilty to first-degree attempted assault and a consolidated count of first-degree robbery. In turn, the prosecutors agreed to dismiss more than a dozen other charges against him stemming from the attacks. So while he was getting sentenced, the judge told him, Being a vigilante is not something that we accept in America. It's not something that we accept in this community. And it is just simply something that will not be tolerated. It is not the purpose of the registry to allow people to do their own brand of justice. The purpose of the registry was to keep the community safe. To be honest... There's other ways to keep the community safe, as we've seen. So Vukovic ended up apologizing, and he says, I realize now that I had no business assaulting these individuals or taking the law into my own hands. I should have sought mental health counseling before I exploded. And like I said, that goes back to part of his youth and, and his early adulthood where he was just cycled in and out of jail for decades for substance abuse problems, you know, assault problems. And his brother, Joel Fulton, even stood up for him in court and detailed some of the things that their father, Larry Lee Fulton, did to them. And Vukovic told the judge he was a pretty terrible person in general. He liked to administer beatings with various implements, belts, and eventually a 2x4 that he had custom made. And he used to like to disrupt the night by coming in to sexually assault me. So then Vukovic's older brother, Joel Fulton, um, he ended up running away from home when they were younger. And Jason Vukovic eventually did the same. And like I said, they took different paths. Joel Fulton, he went to college, got a PhD, lives in California. Vukovic turned to drugs and crime, unfortunately. 
And even um, Joel Fulton, his older brother, said he still receives counseling to this day to deal with the trauma of being physically and sexually abused as as a child because he was as well. Now, Vukovic did tell the judge that he regularly used methamphetamine, and uh, he does have eight prior felony convictions. Then Fulton goes on to tell the judge that he wasn't friends really with Vukovic, and they hadn't maybe spoken a few times over the past couple decades. But he still wanted to help him, and he asked the court to do the same. And Fulton said, have mercy on him. Help him. So, while Judge Marston did express sympathy for the brother's childhood experiences, he said Vukovic has ultimately proved he is dangerous and willing to hurt people. So, on February 26, 2018, Superior Court Judge Aaron Marston handed down his sentence to Vukovic, which was 23 years in prison which the max in this case would have been 30. And then he also sentenced Vukovic to five years probation. And one of the things that was agreed to when he pled guilty was that uh, his sentence be no longer than the combined prison terms of his three alleged victims, which were all listed on the Alaska Sex Offender Registry for crimes against children. Now, I know a lot of people have... A lot of different opinions about this. They're like, well, if he can do this, then what's to stop somebody else from doing that in the name of trying to, you know, make the world a better place, I guess. The thing about it is, all right, is that Vukovic's sentence of 23 years, if you take the three people that he attacked and his father combined, all those four people combined. Jason Vukovic got a longer sentence than all four of them combined. So when the judge during the sentencing is saying these men paid their debt to society, you know, justice was served, was it really? You have four people here and all I keep seeing is suspended sentence, suspended sentence. How many times in the news do you see a sexual fucking predator like literally fucking a two-year-old kid get two three four years in fucking prison is that justice is justice really served at that point so when you have the argument of jason vukovic taking the law into his own hands you have an argument of civil law versus moral law and for those who don't know the difference just Think about it for a second. Civil law, moral law, all right? So when civil law fails, what do you do? What does that leave you with? Yeah, Jason Vukovic could have tried to seek more help. He could not have reached out to people on the sex offender registry and gone into their homes and beat the absolute shit out of them. But let me ask you something. How many times have you, as a person or a listener or a parent, read a news story to where somebody gets convicted of a child sex crime and they either get probation or they get a couple years. When you know that that kid that they fucking sexually assaulted or raped or whatever the case might be, their life is fucking ruined. 
That is something that that kid has to live with for the rest of their fucking life. But yet you have this motherfucker who totally just killed a child's innocence doing a couple years in prison, getting literally probation. That's not justice. So when I hear a judge sit here and say, listen, you know, these guys paid their debts to society, they did their time, blah, blah, blah. You know what? They fucking did not. And you see it every single day in the news nowadays. So just think about that before you go to pass judgment on what Jason Vukovic did. Whether I agree with it or not, that's not my place to say. You want to know why? Because first of all, I'm a parent. To be honest with you, if somebody had molested or raped one of my kids and Jason Vukovic busted into that dude's fucking house and beat the absolute shit out of him, I'd travel to whatever fucking prison that dude is in just to shake his hand and thank him. Because he's the person out here doing what nobody else has the balls to do. And what everybody else talks about doing. And what everybody else talks about what should be done. Jason Vukovic actually did that. So now that I have said that, I am going to leave this episode with the words of Jason Vukovic. His sister was nice enough to let me use this audio. She sent it to me on Instagram. And this is his circumstances and his situation in his own words. And I think it's very, very important for the listeners to to check this out. And like I said, before we do wrap up, I will have all the information that you need to either donate to Jason Vukovic, to sign a petition on change.org, or to write him if you want to. And I cannot stress enough, if you write him, make sure there is a return address on that letter. Otherwise, the prison will not accept it. It will straight up get thrown out. You cannot send him care packages, but you can put commissary money on his books. And like I said, in the episode notes, I will provide all that information for you. I'd like to thank Jason's sister, who was awesome to talk to yesterday and for providing me with this audio. Uh, So we want to talk about, Jason actually specifically wants to um, discuss some things, uh, not necessarily about himself this time and his story, but um, Jason, do you want to take the floor a little bit? Yeah, let me, yeah. Yeah, let me just first say I wanted to say thanks uh, from the bottom of my heart for everybody. Uh, my sister has given me a whole bunch of really positive feedback and really nice messages and things from the outside world, and uh, I really needed that because this is a dark place that, that I live in right now, and uh, those messages really meant a lot to me. So uh, I wanted to say thanks first. I really appreciate uh, everybody's kind words and books and everybody that contributed um, to our little legal defense fund, I really appreciate you. That was very kind. Yeah. Um, And it's also, yeah, for sure. And I wanted to mention too that it's important for everybody to realize that if you are a survivor or a person um, that has dealt with child abuse, uh, sexual assaults or physical abuse in your lifetime, that we sort of constitute a very strange um, and unique family of sorts. The sad part about this particular type of abuse is that part of this tree um, that has very long roots is that we all end up isolated and lost in our own world and separated from our families and support systems and things like that. So 
it's probably the time in life for this particular issue uh, to come to the forefront for people to be concerned about it because um, child abuse is ancient. It's very, very old. And the people that participate in it and the people that prey on kids are well organized, they're well funded, they're well connected, uh, they've been doing it for a really long time. And proof of that or evidence of that is in the disparity of prison sentences that you see between people that molest kids and people that beat up child molesters. Um, just the rate at which they let sex offenders out of prison, it's ridiculous. So I just appreciate that the family has come out of the woods to support my experience. It just means a lot. And I think it's important for people to remember that uh, if you ride for me, I ride for you. Believe that. And we all have to stick together. It's super important for people to stick up for kids when they have the chance, when they have the opportunity. It's a very important thing to do because most of us just get forgotten about and passed, brushed aside. Mm -hmm. And that's not cool. That, that doesn't work out very well at all for anybody. Agreed. And just so you know, there's been a, a ton of people who have reached out um, and private messaged me uh, and told me about their experiences. And I mean, it's a, a massive amount of people out there who have experienced this. And it's just mind blowing to me. Like, I didn't experience this. I, I wasn't, you know, molested as a kid or anything like that. And so the, the, the amount of people that are coming forward right now is just, it blows my mind. I don't, I can't even fathom, so. I can't, yeah, and I can't understand why this particular issue of people preying on kids has been taboo or not spoken of or not properly addressed. It seems like our society, we're still focused on um, this skin color has been picked on or that skin color has been picked on or this nationality or that nationality, which is valid and legitimate, but the entire time kids have been preyed on irregardless of skin color or nationality. That's been happening the entire way. Uh, but what I also know from my personal experience is change never happens from the top down. It always happens from the bottom up. And the person that you're, you're listening to right now is absolutely at the very bottom of this entire situation. I'm the type of guy that would go and smash out somebody who was molesting a kid or on their way to molest a kid. That's literally what I'm serving time for. And while I don't think everyone should go out and do that, I do think every child molester should not sleep easy at night wondering if someone is going to come um, because that's the only thing that deters that sort of mindset from preying on kids. So it's a really important thing to recognize that all change happens from the bottom up. And this is the absolute bottom right here. That's what, that's what you're listening to right now. It's the bottom, I promise you. Yeah, I know. There, there's, uh, there's a lot, a lot going on in the world right now. And man, the kids, it breaks my heart. So I think that we all need to pull together and, you know, try to make a change. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. And the thing is, if this extraordinary and bizarre family does not come together at times when it matters and pull for each other, 
then we just continue to be separated. And that was my experience in life is once my own family, in air quotes, betrayed my trust and violated my trust as a child, I was completely disconnected from the regular world from that moment all the way forward. There was zero chance for me to have a regular life or experience things like other people did from that moment forward. And what's shocking is there's tens of thousands of other youngsters exactly like me who are going to turn out very similar to me. No job, no family, broken, etc., etc. Um, if we don't start making active changes in this sort of thing. And one of the things you, we need to do is when somebody's caught up or somebody needs help, then the group needs to show up and help out. It's a really important thing. That's how you heal people's hearts and that's how you change stuff in society. So then there's... There's been a lot of child pedophile ring busts recently, so everything that is going on right now, everything that everybody's doing, it is making a difference. Um, so we just need to keep pushing to try okay, to... I'm glad to see or hear about progress on those fronts. But again, what I know from my life experience, especially in the climate that I live in, is some of these old power structures that are well-connected They've been having their way or doing what they want with children or looking the other way at people that do for so many years that it's a really difficult thing uh, to wrest that sort of thing from their hands. And so in my path, in my experience, I stood in the same courtroom that was handing the person that molested me zero prison time and got 23 years for assaulting pedophiles. And that's just so shocking and so glaring that it almost leaves me speechless. Um, and it's not because I feel sorry for myself, it's because I just wonder, how could these people in their right mind continue to let people that prey on kids out while they lock people up that prey on child molesters? That's just mind blown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mind blown. So, but that's, that's our reality right now. That's where we live in. And that's why it's so important for people to pay attention and listen. If a child is telling you something, listen. Like when I was a kid and I tried to tell the people in authority around me what was going on in my house, it was a church environment and the church people drug us in and told us we needed to forgive uh, our dad who was molesting us and beating us because he had repented and we were going to keep it in the family and everybody be quiet and send us all back home together again. Um, and that sort of thing is not, I mean, that's no way to address a child who's had their life destroyed. Absolutely not. Hopefully, yeah, some of this will stir up some heat and some interest, because I promise you, if we're worried about uh, lives in general, we should be very concerned about our children's lives and how they turn out. Because let me tell you, when you come from a house like that and you live a life like I'm living now, you've just been robbed of everything. And I don't want to see that happen to any other child. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, and I mean, this might be not not the right thing to say, but these not only are our kids, but they're going to grow up to run the world, you know, and we're all of these child molesters are messing their minds up. Like, we, we can't be doing this. Like, I just. Well, and that's the. That's the biggest long-term cost that everyone is going to have to deal with, and it happened to me. 
my entire moral code and all of the decisions I made in my life, everything was skewed from the get-go. Because you have to imagine, if you're a young child and your brain and your body are forming and someone is beating you like a farm animal or molesting you, it, it forces change on you that you're not even aware of until later on in life. So throughout the course of my life, I like to think of myself as a good person. I'm a decent person. I'm a kind-hearted person. And yet, a lot of the choices I made along the way demonstrated that clearly I had zero self-worth, zero concern for the future. Uh, my life had already been removed from my hands. And if you multiply that by thousands of kids, this is happening all the time in a lot of different places in this country. You're, you're going to have another generation and another generation and another generation of people that are, just never had a, had a proper opportunity at a start from the get-go. And that should be scary. And it's not even just this country. It's all over the world. All over the world. That's all, exactly right. All over the world. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And I mean, for me, personally, what is what should be is every child predator out there should wonder every single day when one of us is going to rise up and come looking for them uh, to get revenge or just to put some balm on the wound. Um, I want all of them to live nervous and in fear that that's going to happen because I promise you, all of us together are much bigger and much stronger than the group that preys on kids. I assure you of that.